and welcome to Knowing Nature, the podcast all about exploring and engaging with the natural world. I'm Victor, and welcome to another Film Club episode. In this episode, I'm joined by educators Maggie and Paul, and we'll be talking about the film Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. It's uh, directed by Hayao Miyazaki and was first released in 1984, so it's uh, been around a while. It's a classic of Japanese anime. Uh, but also has really strong environmental themes. So a quick overview of the movie. Nausicaa is a princess of this Valley of the Wind. Uh, the film is kind of post-apocalyptic, so it happens after there's been a great war that's destroyed a lot of human civilization. Everyone's just kind of rebuilding now, but the world now has a toxic jungle, which is gradually spreading over and is threatening the human kingdoms. Nausicaa lives in the Valley of the Wind, which is named because of this wind that blows off the ocean uh, and towards the forest ends. That wind protects this valley from the toxic spores of the forest that are spreading. Uh, but of course, conflict ensues between two different kingdoms and the Valley of the Wind gets caught in between. Welcome Maggie and Paul to this episode. What did you guys think of the film? I love it. It's one of my favourites. I love all those Studio Ghibli's. Uh, yeah, it's just a really good adventure film. I suppose children's film. It's a little bit bloody in places. And I, I love all the environmental messages um, in it as well. And Maggie, what did you think? Absolutely beautiful animation. Um, I think it's a film for everybody, really, not just children, but um, adults alike. Some really strong, interesting characters, um, some really nice underlying messages. I think both environmental and social as well. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a treat to watch, really. Uh, I would agree with you, Paul, that it is a little bit of a darker film and it's quite violent in some sections. So it's uh, a film that probably would be best for, what, age 10 and up at least, something like that? Yeah, I mean, the protagonist um, does kill someone pretty close to the beginning. She feels really bad about it, but yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of sword fighting and violence in it. I would probably recommend it from eight onwards, but possibly it's sort of... Uh, upper, well, upper Key Stage 2, definitely, but even Lower Key Stage 2, if watched with adults, I think can be watched by slightly younger children but but with adults present so they can discuss what's going on on the screen um so let's uh kick on to some of the environmental messages what um what really stood out to to you guys about it uh paul what really stuck out to me is sort of because 1984 i would have been three years old so um i, I didn't get studio ghibli uh, when i was growing up um but what really impressed me was it was a time when global warming um global heating as, as we should now call it but global warming was quite a new concept and the environmental movement was quite nascent at the time so to see a film that was very much about living in harmony with nature and the destruction that humanity can bring about to the natural world um, was quite forward thinking really. I thought it was very interesting in the beginning when the threat was presented 
as the toxic jungle. So it felt like nature was the threat to humanity and they kind of needed to eradicate the jungle and the insects to survive. So it was them or nature. But then a little bit later, it kind of transpires that um, humans created this problem to begin with, uh, with a past industrial civilization. Um, and actually they were fighting against it without really understanding what's going on. Um, and what I found really interesting in the film is that, that they are fighting each other for survival, fighting each other for natural resources, but, but with a rage uh, that is based in not understanding what's actually going on in the natural world, with a, with a rage that comes from um, aggressive emotion rather than science and, and, uh, and understanding. And what I found really interesting is that um, the main character, she's, she's almost like a scientist. She experiments with the spores, uh, she experiments with the plant. She's trying to understand what's going on here. And sort of like her reactions come from a place of, of knowledge and research. I would say that we sort of were on verge of botany and, and on occasion on geology when she's kind of discovering how the water filters through and how the jungle actually helps them uh, to, to get clean water. So it's, it's quite interesting how she comes from a very different place of understanding and therefore her reactions are different. Yeah, that struck me as well. In the very early parts of the film, you know, she uncovers uh, or she encounters one of these big uh, ohms, these huge insect things, which all the other humans really fear because when the ohms are, are angered, they're like this unstoppable force of nature that just comes in and destroys your city or your your village. But then not only that, they spread the spores of this jungle, which then make the area toxic. Whereas the other humans are shown shooting and fighting back and attempting to kill and destroy these ohms, the way she approaches them is with, as you said, Maggie, she understands them. So she understands their behavior and knows how to almost communicate with them. She knows how to calm them. Um, and then she uses that to, rather than kill them she redirects them back to the place where that is their home that message of the way that you respond to nature is is very different depending on how you understand it is very strong in the film at some point one of the characters in the film says that the way of water and wind um, is better than the way of fire uh, and it, it's kind of the distinction between ignorance and violence and destruction and trying to understand something uh, and, and work productively to solve it. Um, I thought that was sort of quite a nice nice way at the end of the film to portray that difference. I quite enjoyed the fact that it's sort of the way the film establishes itself is she she's in the toxic jungle at the start and she's sort of saying, oh, gosh, I've got to wear my mask, otherwise these spores will kill me. But she's also having this adventure that's just full of wonder, and you see it through her eyes. So you all, at the beginning, you're sort of thinking, well, this is actually quite a, a wondrous place. You know, she's sort of lying in the, the spores are all falling down, she's lying in the spores. She, it actually sort of shows you it's, it's quite a, a, a beautiful place. But then you see everybody else is terrified of the toxic jungle and doesn't understand why uh, why she's going in there all the time. I think we see that when we work with a lot of the kids here in, in London, when they come to our sites, when they're outside, they tend to be really wary and really 
uncertain like they don't know what these animals are going to do with them so they've got this nagging fear that all these insects or other things are going to like bite them or sting them um, they're worried about getting dirty or having you know germs and, and whatnot if if the kids have interacted with nature a bit more they're a bit more familiar with it you can see that they have this very different way of interacting with it and they they're interested rather than than worried and afraid and that's because they have some awareness that these things aren't really going to going to hurt them because they've encountered it before. Maintaining this connection with the natural world really changes the way that you interact with it. That's something that we can really learn from today, I think. Absolutely. And there is, I feel like in the beginning of the film, it's kind of very obvious that it's we against them, it's the insects against us, and we need to exterminate them. Uh, and there is one sort of flashback where the princess is trying to shelter a baby arm and, and, and Dad comes along with it with Army and says, you have to return it. You know that we cannot exist together. Uh, and yet she she says never gives up. It, it, it's, she, she tries to understand the, the natural world and the insects and communicate, as you said, in order to live together with them uh, peacefully. Um, and this is kind of difference of being fearful and ignorant and, and then not feeling the fear because you have the knowledge of the natural world, as you just mentioned with, with children that often react in a similar way when they encounter um, an insect for the first time, perhaps their um, the reflexes to, to kill it or, or get stung. That's kind of the approach often. I also quite like that in the film, while the jungle is depicted as this really dangerous place, but all the times when the jungle threatens the humans, it's not out of malice. It's always a reaction to something that the humans have instigated first. So we learn that, you know, the Ohm is attacking someone at the beginning, but it's because they've the human has come in and disturbed their habitat. Uh, later on in the film, when all the Ohms are starting to charge, we quickly learn that actually they're not they're not just charging because they're this dangerous wild rampaging force it's because one of their young has been abducted and is actually being used to lure them um, so they're being used almost as this as a weapon oh and and also that the jungle it's at the very beginning it sounds like it's just this this spreading force it's just expanding and pushing out humans but later in the film when the jungle and the spores start to come into the valley of the wind the jungle isn't doing that on its own it's the humans that have actually brought the spores into this valley and it's the the crash of that big human plane that starts the spread of it so that i think is a very interesting thing where the you know the danger of the forest it's the forest isn't dangerous really it doesn't attack humans it's more humans interact with it in an inappropriate way and that leads to bad things happening, basically. Uh, so it, it reminded me of uh, invasive species and that kind of thing, because the forest, the toxic jungle is this like invasive thing. It spreads. So there's a few uh, plant diseases that are now spreading through crops around the world. There's the there's a bacterial infection that's spreading through olive groves through the Mediterranean diseases that are attacking citrus trees around the world but in all those instances these diseases are 
spreading the way that they are because of human action. So in a lot of cases, it's growing um, trees in large monocultures means that when one of them gets infected, it's really easy for the infection to then spread through other trees. And that's not because the infection is there to hurt humans and hurt these farmers and their income. It's just the way that the that this bacteria or fungus works. But humans have created an environment that really makes their spread really easily because there's all these identical trees growing right next to each other. Is there anything else in the film that you uh, that spoke to real life situations for the two of you? The giant, the giant warrior, um, like so, so much else in that this that post-war period is, you know, it's the atom bomb. You know, there's 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 no other way of of really looking at it. You know, it represents very much the worst destruction that humanity can can wreak on the world and the the devastation that was caused by by the atom bombings of Japan, because they're the only country that experience, has ever experienced uh, a, a nuclear attack, um, has resonated um, ever since throughout everything. A lot of the cinema sort of represents war as this very destructive force that can tear not just the world apart, but also your nation and your, your people apart and, and bring so much devastation. Um, but yeah, the, the giant warrior was, um, yeah, I was just watching that and thinking, yeah, that's 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 an atom bomb. I felt that there was a lot of similarities to today's world in the sense that um, the way a lot of policies and a lot of politicians and, and a lot of online communities reject science and are driven by by emotion and by anger and often by by misunderstanding um, areas in the natural world. And I thought that that that, that felt very real the way um, the different kingdoms uh, just wanted to burn down the jungle and kill all the insects and they were sort of driven by rage and there were wars between them as well. And, and as a result, people were killed. And, and, and it felt like her coming in as sort of like the voice of reason and the voice of science was, was quite interesting and in some ways very relevant to today. I found it interesting as well that every time anybody said oh we're gonna we're gonna burn the jungle down we'll, we'll kill all the insects you know everybody turned around and said you can't it's impossible and it's it's almost like there's this unstoppable force that they realize is unstoppable but they're blinded by their sort of hatred to just keep on trying to to kill it when in actual fact what they need to do is what she then encourages them to do by the end, sorry, spoiler alert, which is to to actually live in harmony with it and realise what that jungle is actually doing and, and that they we can live with nature rather than in conflict with nature. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Like because these other two kingdoms in the film don't understand really what the forest is is doing at a deeper level. You know, they just see the the surface level, the fact that it's toxic and spreads these poisonous spores that, you know, if you inhale it, you get sick and you die. So their immediate response is burning it down to get rid of it. But then Nausicaa has this deeper understanding and she sees that actually what this forest is doing is it's detoxifying the soils. And that's why the plants themselves are poisonous. So um, we learn midway through the film that she's actually been cultivating plants 
from the forest and she's put them in soil from deeper underground and she's been irrigating them with good clean water and when she does that the plants are not toxic through that she figures out that actually all the soil in the lands and you know a lot of the surface water it's actually that that's toxic and poisonous that's what's killing the people and her nausicaa's father has this slow debilitating illness that that has happened because he's been eating and drinking polluted water and and food with this low level of toxin so what the jungle is actually doing is it's drawing those toxins into the plants what that looks like is it becomes the plants become this like crystalline sandy structure and then you know the toxins are inert when they do that and in the process they're also purifying all the water that then enters into the the groundwater system that all these kingdoms and that the valley of the wind depend on they depend on their deep wells drawing up this water that we find out is there and has been purified by these plants and when you know that when nausicaa tells them no you can't burn down the forest you're also destroying what is purifying the water that we actually depend on to drink which is something that the other kingdoms don't know they don't realize it so i thought that that was quite important because it has this real world analog where plants will take in toxins that often they're heavy metals they plants can absorb this and then either they'll bind the heavy metals with other things and that renders them kind of inert so they're they're not as toxic because they they don't get absorbed by other organisms as easily or it actually incorporates it into the mass of the plant yeah as you said Victor I thought it was really interesting that sort of at the end of the film it transpires again spoiler alert that rather than being uh, the danger that the toxic jungle is perceived as it's actually in a way saving humanity because they, the insects are guarding the fossilized forest that makes the water and air purified. So it's kind of restoring it slowly. It's just that humans haven't realized the importance of that forest for restoration of the natural environment for their own survival. Was there anything that you would have liked to see more of in the film or any messages that you would have liked to have been brought forward a bit more? That's, that's an interesting question, Victor. I, I find that actually the film is so beautiful because it's it's not, ob like the messaging isn't too obvious. It's not in your face. It's not pushing it. It's kind of all quite subtle. There's sort of like little hints, but they don't tell you exactly what to think or what to do. And, and I kind of like that about the film. It's almost poetic. And I, I, I don't think I would add much to it, to be honest. Yeah, I have to agree. It's uh, yes, yeah, just it's a beautiful film, and it's it works on a lot of layers. It's a good point that you made, Maggie. That the messages are very the environmental messaging, anyways, is very it is very subtle. So you kind of pull out of it the things that you what you can see, what you can spot. I think because the big message in there is about how you relate to the natural world in kind of a generalized way. And for me, anyways, I think the big take home is that getting to know nature changes how you interact with it. Like that's quite a big, general, broad message. It's difficult to go wrong with that kind of message almost. I was sort of thinking about some of the comparisons with some of the other later films uh, that came along, because very often there is a theme of humans damaging the natural worlds and 
nature having to protect itself in a lot of the Studio Ghibli movies, even things like Spirited Away, um, you can kind of think of the, the spirits in that as almost being sort of nature sprites. But I suppose the, the film that it most sort of resembles in that whole kind of canon would be um, uh, Princess Mononoke, which I'm always in two minds which one I prefer. I think in many ways, in for the environmental message, it's a lot more overt in Nausicaa. So if you want to watch a film that brings those sorts of environmental messages forward, I think I think it's definitely the one to go go to. But yeah, I think so. Princess Mononoke is a very different kind of world. It's a world that's much more that humans live much closer to the natural environment and what they have conflict with in that one is are like the spirits of that natural world i think because it's it's sort of a more rural um setting whereas in this film because it's post-apocalyptic there's been this earlier industrial big human civilization that destroyed itself through war so you end up with humans very much separated from nature because the natural world in Nausicaa, it's toxic, so humans can't live directly in that this wild natural world, I guess I should say. Yeah, it might be worth making that distinction, actually, is that in Princess Mononoke, the wild nature, sort of nature in a general sense, they're more blended together. Will, humans live closer to wilderness, whereas in this film, in Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, you have... I, th I think a distinction between wild nature, which would be the jungle, this place where humans are not, and then you have domesticated nature, which is the relationship with the natural world that the people of the Valley of the Wind have. You know, they're growing these crops and vegetables. So in some ways, they're really close to the land because they're living a much more subsistence life. They need to grow and eat. So they're really close to the needs of their plants but they're very distant, separated from wild nature because it's poisonous. I think I, I also have a slight sense of disappointment when I watch things like Nausicaa, not because the film's bad or anything like that, but often when you read this sort of post-apocalyptic fiction or you watch this post-apocalyptic um, fiction and it's it's talking about humans having ravaged the world or the world being a place which isn't so good for humans to live. So with Nausicaa, the thing that's led to everything going wrong has basically been essentially weapons of mass destruction, these giant warriors. There's a J.G. Ballard novel, The Drowned World, which is um, about the Earth. The climate has warmed to the extent that whole cities have been drowned. Um, there's a, a very old book um, called After London, which is a, a similar deal, very similar to Nausicaa, that people live in this feudal uh, post-industrial society. Um, but very often the thing, what's depicted is so close to what we're doing to the world now, but because it was in the past, they have to use some other explanation. And you kind of wish that people were making films like Nausicaa now, where they would be using the climate crisis as basically the conceit for what has caused the apocalypse, um, which which you kind of don't see enough, I think, um, in fiction. That is starting to change. Recent films like uh, 
in, Interstellar, for example, or, or the Mad Max uh, Fury Road, they are both sort of in this post-apocalyptic genre. And they are starting to, they don't specify it explicitly, but it is very heavily implied that climate change has led to this post-apocalyptic uh, society and the problems that the people face in that film. There's almost this sort of political unwillingness to actually tackle that. I think it might, it's kind of difficult to approach in some ways because I kind of see what you mean. A lot of these kinds of films, um, especially when they're, post-apocalyptic the apocalypse in the 80s and 90s very often it was is caused by war so that's what happens in in this film you know what's happened to human civilization the reason it's come down is because there has been this massive war so it's very human caused um and there's like a distinct negative thing that happened whereas if you want to approach if you want your apocalypse to be because of climate change you need to, you know, there's not one negative thing that has sparked off this this thing that has now led humankind to the brink of extinction. It's an entire mode of production, an entire way of living that needs to change. So it's in a film when you've got an hour and a half, two hours, um, if, you've, if you're setting it in a after the apocalypse but you need to kind of explain what the apocalypse is it's more difficult to explain such a big nebulous thing i think the climate emergency just isn't filmic enough is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> although i think interstellar does kind of do that there there's this unspecified kind of catastrophe that's happening on earth we know that things just aren't really growing in the soil as well there's big dust bowl so it's it's there. There's this big change in the global environment that has happened, but it doesn't specify a cause. Like, why did this happen? Um, it almost shies away from it. It's like, to, to use that well-worn uh, cliche, it's like the elephant in the room, that it's, it's all premised around this thing happening, but it never actually explicitly says it. Whereas... Things like Nausicaa, you know, it's very explicit that it's it's war that's caused this and, you know, very much weapons of mass destruction that have, have caused, will take humanity down this path. And I don't know, I think, I think there needs to be more willingness and there must be opportunities to actually properly get to grips with uh, the climate crisis um, through the medium of cinema. Um, I mean, I'm kind of expecting maybe not next year. I think it'll be feel good films next year, but the year after, there's going to be quite a lot of pandemic films. I don't know. To be honest with you, I uh, sort of um, beyond recording this, I feel that it's a beautiful film in itself and it's got a lot of messages. I would say that it it doesn't just a message of on environmental topics, but but generally sort of like being a human being, being mindful being aware of your feelings like there is a point where she goes um I didn't realize that anger can make me do that and this is when when she killed quite a few soldiers and she corrects her behavior she becomes aware of her emotions and what they can do and she corrects her behaviors and says normal killing and then follows it through and I think there is there is kind of like a lot humanity can learn from this film 
which is even beyond how we treat the natural world, but actually how we treat each other. There's there's a lot of empathy in in the character of Nausicaa, and I think empathy is a concept that I think people are becoming a lot more aware of it. I think because these days it often feels like there isn't enough of it around, particularly if you look in sort of social media and the media of people just constantly at each other's throats. And yeah, she is a very empathic character and she's a very introspective in that she can look at and evaluate her her own feelings and her own reactions and yeah because i mentioned at the start about the she, she kills a few soldiers um at the beginning and then she does say I, I won't kill anyone again and she she goes through through with it and she becomes a very um non-violence but um she she resists through non-violence there's there's a wonderful bit where she gets her glider and she's trying to rescue the baby ohm and they're shooting at her from this um uh thing that they've got this this baby insect suspended from and rather than you know sort of attack them or try some daring rescue she basically just flies at them and just stands there and um they almost don't know what to do about that um and it's it's, it's such a, a powerful powerful things to sort of try and walk in someone else's shoes and under, understand what they're going through and in many ways that's how we should be teaching and feeling about the natural world as well because of course it then leads on that she has empathy for the animals and the plants and the world around her and, and the toxic jungle so yeah i think empathy is is quite a strong strong theme in this this film it's and it's I think it's why I like it so much as well, because I really like the central character. And I think she has a life view and a philosophy that I can really relate to. Whereas if she was off, you know, always fighting people and all the rest of it, I, I, don't, I don't think I'd like her as much. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with the points that both of you are making. So I think if um, if you're a parent or you're a teacher and you're looking at this film thinking about how might I make the best use of this film? I think that this film is best used for talking about um, the soft skills, as it were, the emotional kind of awareness that you were talking about, Maggie, um, and also this generalized, um, how do we relate to the natural world? One film doesn't have to be everything. So this, what this film doesn't do so much is address any one specific environmental issue in the way that Fern Gully was really looking at deforestation and uh, it had one very specific thing that was going on. This film is much more a generalized how do we relate to each other? How do we relate to the natural world? And looking at what the impacts of that are. Any other points you guys wanted to make? No. No, Victor, I think, yeah, I think, I think we said most of it, <laughs> all of it. Yeah. <laughs> excellent if you've not seen it watch this film <laughs> it is wonderful i, I it's a, yeah i mean i love japanese animations anyways but i think this one is actually particularly good agreed thank you paul and maggie very much for uh, joining me in this episode and thank you all for listening 
Once again, if uh, you're interested in any of the other books or films that are me we mentioned in this episode, you can find them in the full show notes, which are at knowingnaturepodcast.wordpress.com. If you've got any questions or comments, of course, you can send them in to us at knowingnaturepodcast at gmail.com. And you can now follow us on Twitter at KN underscore podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Mm -hmm.